Good morning. Good morning. Lovely autumn morning. I hope you've enjoyed the ride here. It's really very beautiful. Um, I'm Mado. Uh, actually, I would like to be able to, uh, the folks on Zoom, I'd like for them to check in, to just um, say hello, uh, which we haven't done in the past, but I really do feel like we should have our Zoom people uh, join us in more than just a screen way. So I hope those of you on Zoom will be able to just introduce yourself with saying your name. So I'm Mado. Oh, thank you. Well, welcome everyone again. And um, welcome, Steve. Uh, it's been a very long time. Do you remember? I, it's been a very long time. I, I, yeah. Um, how long has it been, do you think? How, how long? Two or three years. Yeah. So I, it's, I don't think you've rec you recognize anybody. <laughs> 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 I'm barely recognizable. <laughs> yeah, so welcome back. And um, as I often say, this is sort of come and go Zendo, but mostly go. Mm -hmm. And so it is uh, really wonderful to, um, to have people returning. Uh, after an absence, so welcome back. I hope we see more of you. So I was looking forward to hearing Taishan give a Dharma talk today about his journey uh, in Buddhism. However, he's not feeling well at all. So first of all, I'd like for all of us to send him uh, good wishes and for a, a complete healing. Um, and so if you think of him during the day, uh, just send some healing wishes uh, to him. So I learned this yesterday and um, I sent out a reminder about today's Dharma talk and I didn't know what to say as a heading. So I just said, becoming Buddhist. <laughs> And now I have to talk about that. <laughs> so, so as is often the case, the titles of the talks have nothing to do with what I actually say. Um, and that may be the case in this instance as well. So just kind of drift along with me. I, I haven't had a lot of time to prepare, but I have been, uh, I have been, continually considering this theme of power, which I spoke about uh, a while ago, and um, how power connects with receiving precepts, which is what we've been exploring and will be exploring uh, for the next couple of months until Max uh, is um, going to receive precepts. Um, Sometimes it's thought that when you receive precepts, you become a Buddhist. But that's, that's the formal uh, commitment to, to being a Buddhist. 
but that really probably isn't accurate. Um, that when you receive precepts, you are already a Buddhist. Uh, you are already on the path. Uh, you have all, all of you uh, are already Buddhists. There is nothing to attain. You've just stepped onto this, what we call the Buddha way. Uh, you're walking the way. And as long as you are walking that way, um, you are becoming Buddhist. There's never a point at which you are Buddhist. Um, and again, language has a way of playing tricks on us. So you'll give me some leeway here uh, using the, this terminology. <clears throat> so it's just a way of, of considering these issues of people have asked me, when do I come a when do I become a Buddhist? And in, in a sense, this is sort of, when do I, when do I step into the power <laughs> of Buddhism? Uh, because Buddhist practice is a, a, a spiritual power that we have. And so it's a question now of exploring what kind of power, uh, spiritual power we are engaged in while we walk this way. And it's often, it's off, our spiritual life is often measured by what we're calling the eight worldly dharmas. The power of spiritual life is that somehow we have, I'm using the, the, uh, the first worldly dharma, which is win and lose, that somehow we have gained something. Uh, we, we have won something when we have uh, stepped on this way or we receive precepts, that it's, a, it's like a prize. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so there's this sense of having, having achieved something, a won something. Even coming here, there can be that sense of empowerment that um, we've, made, we've made a choice, we've made a commitment, and this gives us some power. So we, there's a sense of having won something the, as opposed to having lost something. The other worldly dharma, is the, the dharma of praise and blame. So, of course, you know, this sense of, well, I'm practicing peace, I'm practicing being a good person. And my sense of, you know, sort of self-righteousness uh, that I'm, you know, I'm doing a good thing. And for example, as a, as a dharma teacher, you know, I expect and often get praise for the work that I do. And that's, that's pretty nice uh, uh, that I've, I've, I feel like I'm in a position of, um, of respect and, and people think I'm doing a, a good thing. And similarly, often people who practice Buddhism uh, 
have that sense too of, yeah, that, that's great. You're a peaceful person, you're a nonviolent person, you're practicing goodness. So that's great. And so there's this sense of, yeah, I'm doing a good thing. And then um, fame and obscurity. So it's not that any one of us necessarily is going to be become famous, uh, but somehow we can feel special, that, that we can stand out, that somehow our spiritual life uh, gives us a special place um, in the world. Um, and so that that's also can be a, a measure, a dharma, a measure of our our life as a, as a Dharma practitioner. And then finally, um, pleasure and pain. Well, you might say that there's some pain in this practice, particularly in your legs, <laughs> in your lower back, but there is also this sense of pleasure of, yeah, this is a, a joyful practice in some sense. It, it, um, I, I once asked someone who was coming here who wasn't, didn't call himself a Buddhist, uh, why he keeps coming. And he says, it just feels good. It, it just feels good. It feels right. And so there's that sense of, yeah, it's not the pleasure of, uh, you know, soaking in a hot tub by any means. <laughs> but, but there is an element of pleasure in it. And so sometimes we measure our spiritual power by these eight worldly dharmas. But on some level, being a Buddhist, becoming a Buddhist is about renouncing power. In a world where all of these which is governed by eight worldly dharmas, which is a, a world of grasping power. Uh, that's what politics is all about, right? It's about power, but there's politics everywhere. There's politics at, at the university. There's politics in your family. There's politics in your relationship. You know, it, power, it's all about, life is so much about power and who has it and who doesn't have it and how you get it and how you lose it, right? And so there's, I'm beginning to, to see more and more how power, the, the need for power, the drive for power, which is ego driven. That is what the ego is. The constructed self is power. As I, as I described, uh, when I, when I was talking about stealing flowers um, and I said, I felt, I felt so excited, so powerful. You know, my ego is saying, I'm gonna get away with this. This is breaking the rules. Um, and so this constructed self of ours this is what we call ego is all about power. It's all about power, winning and losing, being praised and avoiding blame, having pleasure and avoiding pain and being special. 
grabbing power for oneself, inflating the ego, strengthening the ego, protecting the ego. Bless you. So becoming a Buddhist is in part about saying, I'm not interested in power. I'm giving up my, my drive for power, which is the same as saying, I'm letting go of my ego. And when you receive precepts, this is fundamentally what happens. You give your power away, your worldly power, your worldly powers, all those eight win, lose, praise, blame, fame, obscurity, pleasure, pain. Set those aside and let go of your ego. And in relationship to your preceptor, who is usually your teacher, in this case, it'll be me and Max, uh, but it's been others in the past. So in some sense, you are, Max, listen to this, Max. <laughs> <laughs> you are giving your power, your worldly power to me as your, as your teacher, as your spiritual guide, as your as your preceptor, because I am transmitting the precepts to him. He is receiving the precepts. I am transmitting them as a, as a gift that I've received and now I'm giving, giving it away. And in return, Max is saying, and the becoming Buddhist is saying, I give up my worldly power not to me personally, because then I become a guru. Mm -hmm. And then I get Max's power, yeah. which is what happens when you have a guru. I've been watching this fantastic documentary called Wild Wild Country about um, a guru from India, uh, uh, Bhagwan Rajneesh, who set up a community in Oregon. And there are lots of gurus, you know, spe especially in the Tibetan tradition. And you just, this is, this is your boss, you know, could be a male, usually, usually a male, sometimes a female. And you, gi you give your power to that, you know, whatever, whatever my guru says, that's what I do. So sometimes when you're feeling powerless and you can't somehow find a way to get power, you align yourself with someone else who has power. This is how tyrants <laughs> develop. People who feel powerless, or somehow can't grasp power, they align themselves with somebody who is powerful, like we're having happen in this country. Somebody like Donald Trump, who is a powerful individual. And to ally yourself 
with that to give yourself completely whatever the whatever the guru says is true right mm -hmm. even if it's a lie so you've given all your power away well in the case of the student teacher relationship in zen yes you are renouncing your power your worldly powers but I am just holding them for you. I, I am not. Uh, I am not. Um, I am not uh, stealing them. I am not holding on to them for myself. I'm not becoming a guru. I refuse to become a guru because you know once you become a guru and you're up there, there's only one place to go. Right down and that's what inevitably happens when when people seize absolute power so as a dharma teacher as a um as a preceptor as someone who has the power to transmit teachings the response is i'm gonna hold these eight worldly dharmas, your mundane power. I'm going to hold that for you for a while. So you can see what it feels like <laughs> not to have, not to have those powers, just, just to be a vulnerable sort of non-self-centered person and to sort of explore that. I mean, I'm going to hold them for you if you want to come back for them. <laughs> they're here i'm not assimilating them i'm not i'm not eating them uh and i'm not becoming more powerful because you've been giving me your power i'm just holding them for you i'm holding those holding those for you and i'm holding them because you trust me and i will give them back um and th and that's very important part of a student teacher relationship is trust. Huh. Okay, I'm I'm I understand that my spiritual power, the power of becoming a Buddhist has nothing to do with any of those worldly dharmas. You're not special, you haven't achieved anything, <laughs> you know, quite the contrary. You've given up stuff. You've given up your your worldly powers to to a deeper power which is the power of giving up power okay just i just kind of surprised myself with that statement <laughs> the power to give power up if you can't give it up you you're not powerful right you don't have power if you if you if you can't give it up so renunciation or sometimes we even talk about poverty the ability to let go to let go of your power is a profound expression of power so becoming a buddhist is not about receiving precepts. It's not about how many 
Buddhist books you've read. It's not how many teachers you've had. It's not how many years you've been sitting. Oh, I've been sitting. I've been sitting for over 40 years. That doesn't make me a Buddhist. It's not how many good deeds you've done. It's none of those things. It's not about credentials. It's about no credentials. Just look at this person just sitting here. Yeah, she has a costume on, but. This is it. I'm just sitting. I'm not expressing any kind of worldly power. In fact, quite the contrary. You tell people, you know, what do you do on Sundays? Well, I just sit and do nothing. Mm -hmm. That's powerful. They don't think so. But it is. To be able to choose to do this is an expression to let go of the worldly dharmas is an expression of deep power, of spiritual power. So becoming a Buddhist is becoming, we've used these other words, particularly in book study, becoming naked, taking off more and more of your worldly powers. <laughs> of your worldly presentations, becoming more and more raw, another word we've used, instead of being cooked, you know, so cooked that you've lost your humanity. So you're just raw. You're raw, open, available, vulnerable, naked person. How many of us can actually let go of all that armor and all the, I call them post-its that cover your entire being, all the roles, your achievements, your credentials, your blah, blah, blahs. To be able to let go of those, even for 20 minutes on a Sunday is a profound expression of spiritual power, that you can actually do this. Get in your car and ride over here, turn on Zoom and sit for 20 minutes just being, just being a raw, uncooked, vulnerable, available human being. Not having to ally yourself with any other powerful being, no guru. I, I a number of years ago, when um, I was married to a, a videographer, and we we did a documentary called Tailgating Penn State Style, because <laughs> I wanted to find out about this whole tailgating thing and this whole big football stuff at Penn State. So I thought, well, the way to do this is just go to the tailgating and 
do a documentary. Um, and he, he was a videographer, so we, we actually did. That's a whole long story. But there were people at, at the tailgating parties who had nothing to do with Penn State whatsoever. Their children didn't go to Penn State. They didn't go to Penn State but they had adopted Penn State because Penn State was number one. And they, they wanted that power. They, they, they wanted to feel that power of that football team. Um, and this is, this is a very common, it, it happens all the time that there, were, there was a woman there who, um, she was a single woman and you know impoverished, but she, um, she said her house was painted blue and white. Even her bath, her toilet seat was blue and white. Everything was blue and white. You know, she was, this, this made her feel like she was number one. Like, so when, so be careful about giving your power, <laughs> any kind of power away. Um, and experiment with how that feels. Um, it, it can be quite dangerous if, if you lose all capacity to, to be a human being. So um, this is what it means to become a Buddhist, um, to, to access a spiritual power that has nothing to, that is unrecognizable by the ordinary world. And nobody will even know that you have it. Only you will know, only you will know, and only you will feel it. Nobody, nobody can sit for you. Nobody can, can um, be fearless for you. Uh, only you can do that. So, but we can do it together. <laughs> we can do it alone together and become Buddhists together. Now before, before I wanna read, I did cut this out. So I, I, want, I want to read Buddha's last words to his disciples. However, disciples, when I, when I pass away, you may think the master's doctrine is gone and the master is no more. You should not think so because the Dharma and the discipline which I have taught you will be your master after my death. Buddha was no guru. Let the Dharma be your light. Let it be your refuge. Do not seek any other refuge, disciples. You should well protect and preserve the teachings which I advise you to probe, to probe, so that this holy life may take its course and continue for ages to come for the welfare of many, to console the world, and for happiness and welfare of the heavenly beings and men.
Please return your cushions to their places and 